0: Hello, and welcome to the Personalised Care podcast. A new podcast brought to you by the Personalised Care Institute. My name is Bogdan, and together we'll explore how to adopt a personalised approach to care. An approach that recognises people's skills, strengths and experiences and one that empowers individuals to have more control over how their care is planned. Evidence shows that personalised care leads to a wide range of benefits including better health outcomes and improved compliance with advice, which in turn leads to happier and more satisfied people, carers and healthcare professionals. So, whether you're a pharmacist or consultant, junior doctor or physiotherapist, This podcast series is for you, regardless of your profession, seniority or year of training. In today's first episode, you'll hear about the complexities of the menopause and find out how you can best support women going through it. We've invited Dr. Pauline Foreman to be a guest host for this conversation together with two very special guests. Over to you, Pauline.
1: Hello, I'm Pauline Foreman. I'm a GP and the clinical director of the Personalised Care Institute. I'm also a menopausal woman. All women who reach the menopause experience some symptoms as a result of the hormonal changes caused by reduced ovarian function. For some women, these changes can be debilitating, with an adverse impact on their physical health, sexual enjoyment psychological well-being, and ability to function socially or in the workplace. When a woman reaches out for help managing her symptoms, it's essential that as healthcare professionals, we provide personalised care. This means understanding what really matters to the woman, alongside completing a personalised risk assessment. This enables us to support the woman to make her own informed choices about management. In this episode, we're going to help you understand how you can best support women at this time. And I'm really pleased to welcome you to the podcast. We will be hearing from Anne Connolly, a GP based in Bradford, with a special interest in women's health. And Marie Morgan-Henfrey from London, who has kindly agreed to share her experiences of going through the menopause. Anna and Marie, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you both. Marie, would you like to start by sharing your story with us?
2: Um, Yes, I have currently just turned 50 and um, my menopause symptoms began roughly about age 47. Um, I'd always been an active person, sports and running and things like that, so it had come as a complete surprise to me having not been taught about menopause at school and it not really being um, spoken about my first symptoms were sort of like getting night sweats and um started to notice mood swings and then eventually things like brain fog had um actually started to come in I thought some of it was in relation to my going through the grieving process of losing my sister a couple of years before but then after a, a while um I decided it was time for me to go to see my GP because um, I just stopped feeling like myself. So the first GP that I went to see, who was a really lovely woman, but in the first instance I got really freaked out because she was talking about putting me onto antidepressants and I just... I was shocked. Um, I didn't think that I was depressed and I thought there must be something else that I can um, do um, other than go on to the antidepressants. So uh, I made the decision to try the holistic way so um, I met with a qualified holistic therapist who went through all of my symptoms and um, prescribed um, different tonics for me which did work to a certain degree but I think it's called complementary therapy for a reason it's there to complement the um, medications and things like that Again, it just got worse. It got to the point where there was times where I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to socialise. Um, I didn't want to even sometimes get out of bed and I could just see the toll that it was taking on my family. I'm a member of the Royal College of um, Gynaecologists and Obstetricians Women's Network. So after reaching out to them and getting some advice from them and doing a lot of reading myself, I made another appointment um, with my GP surgery, saw a different GP and the experience was completely different. She went through all of my symptoms. She talked to me about my family history. She asked me about what it was that I was doing. She respected the fact that I did want to try and do a complementary therapy. So we put a plan together of three months of diet, exercise, as well as um, using herbal alternatives. And then for me to come back after the three months, I decided that I would. I was ready to try HRT. Unfortunately, when I went back again, it was a different doctor who I saw, but he was quite happy for me to speak to him and actually mini interview him about his experiences and his knowledge around the menopause. And he said, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert, but I have I've been on up to date training and he was absolutely fantastic allayed all of my fears just discussed with me to you know to the smallest detail which routes I could go down and in speaking with regards to my history he decided okay yes he agreed with me the patch was the way to go and um, again we put a plan together which we've been following for um, nearly a year now and I feel so much better for it I feel back to my normal self again, if not better. One of the things was coming through the other side, is thinking, oh my gosh, what have I been doing for the last five or six years or so? And actually realising just the, the toll that it takes on you as a woman, physically, mentally, the relationships I just now want to get as much information out there to women so that they don't have to get to the point that I was at. At my lowest point, I even questioned whether I should be here anymore. What was my value to my family and to the, you know, to the greater goods? And the thought of women having to go through that without being supported. Um, I don't think that we should be going through that and we should do whatever we can to get the knowledge out there as much as possible, both as patient and as physician.
1: Thank you so much, Marie, for sharing your story um, uh, and it's it's great to hear that you're feeling so much better and it, it's taken, taken, Marie, that's quite a journey, isn't it? It's taken her quite a long time, perhaps, to get to where she wanted to be and perhaps to get the help that she needed. Is that a common experience?
3: Um, thank you and, and I agree. Thank you so much, Marie, for sharing those thoughts and It's so difficult to hear that you went through such a long time before being able to understand the full picture and and be able to make all the choices of your treatment options, although I think you did explore quite a bit before and tried other ways, which so many of our women do. And partly that's because of the negative information that's out there about HRT, both that we as healthcare professionals often give, Uh, and that's because the evidence is very confusing at times, but also because there's uh, a lot of negative information uh, available and on the internet a lot of women will Google first. They will look for resources which often don't make it as clear as possible about the options that are available. And I wonder, Marie, did you find some information that was helpful? I know you talked about talking to friends and informed friends, um, who did support you. But did you find some of the information on the internet harmful or, or confuse your choices more?
2: Yes, when you go onto the internet, you can go into a complete and utter wormhole where there's you know, conflicting pieces of information and scary information with regards to HRT and the outcomes of using HRT. I was really lucky in my circumstances that I do have an informed network and medical network that I could go to but even having that what I hadn't mentioned was I'd opt to be referred to a menopause specialist Um, and I was actually sent to a gynaecologist and the gynaecologist freaked me out more than anything else because there was no sympathy and it was like right well you know you you definitely are depressed I really think you should go on to antidepressants and take black cohosh. And I thought, well, if I'm being told this by a gynaecologist, okay, I need to go back again. Um, And that's when I relied on the network because Google is, unless you know what you're looking for, unless you you know to go to reputable websites, you would just get more disinformation rather than information that you require.
3: We, We see that very commonly. And also this issue about... Uh, antidepressants, because the symptoms can be very similar, as you've described, brain fog, feeling uh, disempowered, not knowing what's going on, because uh, we we are just taught so badly about menopause uh, and the options. And it it takes a lot for someone who's feeling in that situation to make another appointment and actually make another appointment because you, you may have felt, and I think you did describe that you felt the first time That this was the direction of travel and this is the treatment you were to have and actually unless we can really personalize and individualize and really understand the the impact that the problems are having on you as the woman then we don't listen as well as we could do and we don't provide the information that is relevant for you or at least signpost to to resources to allow you to, to have that information so If you go back through, because you've had a variety of conversations and some seem to have been much more useful or much more empowering for you than others, what do you think could be shared about those conversations for you as the woman going into those consultations uh, and for us as healthcare professionals about our understanding of the need for that discussion?
2: If I compare... The different conversations that I had between the first and the second and the third time, because the second and third time were very similar. The first time, it was more seeing me as I felt as a problem. Not to say that the GP had treated me really badly. She was lovely. But I didn't seem to be an individual. I seemed to just be a case that needed to be solved in one of different ways and put into different boxes and it wasn't necessarily about you know me how was I feeling what did I want to do how did I want to explore it it was you're in you have this issue therefore these are the different branches and There you go. The second and third time was, who are you as an individual? How are you feeling? How do you feel about these things? What are your concerns? Let me answer each one of your concerns and saying, well, what will definitely happen for one person is not necessarily what's going to happen for somebody else, but we can explore these things with you. It felt more as a partnership rather than somebody just saying, you need to do X, Y, and Z that is what really really helped and actually respecting my choice with regards to wanting to keep the complementary therapy and not saying well actually no that's no good you shouldn't do that this is what we want you to do and this is the best way it was respecting my views and treating me as an individual
3: great and and some of the information you shared about the impacts that uh, the menopause was having on you some of it was about physical symptoms and some was about psychological well-being and some was about how you were functioning socially did you feel that those were being listened to and supported in the second and the third consultation that you had Uh, and are there any thoughts that you would share about how important that was but also how we as healthcare professionals can improve that aspect of care
2: It was really important because I was not sideways by the the physical symptoms, not being able to sleep at night or waking up completely drenched in, in sweat, having to, you know, change your night clothes. The mood swings as well could be quite frightening because one minute you're semi all right and then the next minute you're either really angry or you're at the point of you're just really low and you just want the slightest thing making you you um, want to just break down in tears. That took a huge toll on me and um, on my family around me because they didn't know how to react. My daughters fed back to me once I was on the HRT that they knew I was going through the menopause because I was very open with them, Um, but they were worried with regards to actually saying to me how I was because they weren't sure if I would break down. And that I wasn't really nice to be around and that it was hard for them to see how I was. I'd gone from a vivacious mother who was up for everything and loads of fun and everything like that to actually just sort of like being this person who just wanted to be left alone all the time and not wanting to to interact at all and for my husband he was just seeing his wife just completely change before his eyes and that there was nothing that he could actually do to help or support me and him feeling powerless really
1: Marie, can I um just chip in at, at this point? I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about that sort of final decision that you made in terms of starting HRT, um, which seems had to be tremendously beneficial for you. What was it like making that decision? I mean, what do you feel? I, I know it was doctor number three, I think, that you saw. That actually started the HRT. What do you think the healthcare professional contributed to that decision making process?
2: By the time I'd got to physician number three, it was that I I had made up my mind. It was really the second GP when she'd sat down with me, talked me through everything, listened to me and that we made a plan together and that was for me to try my holistic complementary therapy also to um, she helped me with regards to healthy eating not that I was an unhealthy eater but different things that would help my immune system and help to boost me and give me more energy and with regards to making sure that I exercised regularly as well so all of those other things that your GP tells you to that helps you when you're going through this stage and then it was like okay come back in in three months and we, we will review so when I went back to GP number three it was just over three months but what made me make that appointment was I was at my lowest ebb and that's when I just didn't want to be around anybody I wasn't sleeping you know it must have been just sheer hell for my family to be around me and me actually questioning should I be here? And not, should I be here, did I want to take my life? Is should I, you know, what am I contributing to anybody? Am I of any help to anyone? And I had, been speaking to another friend who's a healthcare um, professional, she had told me about somebody who was experiencing menopausal systems and she'd gone through a depression and she'd taken her life. And apparently this is not uncommon and hearing that, I was looking where I was at and I thought, no, I cannot get any lower than where I am now. I need to actually make that third appointment now and, you know, get the additional help because obviously what I'm doing is helping, but not enough.
1: Thank you um, for sharing that, Maria. And I'm sorry to hear about that tragedy, really. Hopefully, most women will never ever get to that stage. But you've spoken about some of the conversations that you've had with healthcare professionals and some of them have been more productive than others. If you could speak directly to health professionals about how to improve their care of women at the menopause, what would you say?
2: I would say in the first instance, please, 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 Do not mention about antidepressant tablets in the first instance. I know, I recognise and know now why that was being said, because it was about trying to elevate Uh, your mood so that you're not that low but I think if you lead with that then if you're a menopausal woman at a stage where you've got lack of sleep you're not yourself you're not necessarily in the most happiest of places hearing something like that can tip you over the edge that's what happened for me I would say listen to your patient have the conversation with them about what their journey is to have got them here, I know that you're really pressed for time. So it's not necessarily that easy to afford a large amount of time. But if you could take their background history as to them as an individual and them as their feelings, that really helps because a lot of women, they don't necessarily have the right network around them, or may not actually want to share this with with anybody else. And having somebody sitting there to say, tell me about you. It's just the most amazing thing that somebody is actually listening to you and not saying oh you shouldn't take this or you should take this or you should do that tell me about you what's your journey have you got here do you know about the menopause has anybody ever spoken to you about it let me briefly take you through the different things and here's some reading literature for you Or websites that you can go to so you can do your own research because not every woman is exactly the same. And working with them to actually make a plan. So then you're working together and you're putting the plan together. So the patient feels that they are part of this because you have no control over your body. This is something that is happening to you and there's nothing that you as an individual can really do about it yes you can do the healthy eating you can do the exercise but still it's still happening to you you're still going to get the night sweats you're still going to get the waking up until you actually find that balance and explaining to them that it is a journey and it may take some time to enable you to find the right balance that works for you to help with regards to the symptoms, but that they're there for you and that you're in it together because it makes such difference and it really did to me i can't express what a positive experience it was with my last two doctors that i felt that they were with me and concerned about me and wanted to build everything we were building the stuff together
1: thank you marie we've heard some of marie's really helpful suggestions there are there any other sort of practical tips and that you would suggest for healthcare professionals to make the process easier
3: I think Marie has eloquently uh, described the experience and uh, those useful pointers about us listening to women to understand that menopausal symptoms affect different women in many different ways. And really that impact it can have on highly professional women or, or very busy women balancing all the bits of life together. And then suddenly, quite flawed by symptoms that many women don 't realize can impact them in in such a way, uh, and, and other women will have very few symptoms. It's really very much about a personalized response, the individualized response, not just from an individualized risk assessment about should they have HRT, what type of HRT, but it's about those choices and sharing the right information. And if as a healthcare professional, we don't know that because it's hard to keep up with the latest evidence that's out about so much of health uh, as general practitioners, but particularly menopause. If we don't know that, then... At least having some resources to signpost women to where they can gain their information and then uh, reading about it or signposting to another uh, doctor or nurse in the practice who has more understanding so that uh, when the woman comes in, she's got some more useful information and then can have that informed discussion. A plan is a really appropriate way of dealing with this so that you can try this, but a review is necessary if that's not helping. And therefore, maybe this would be the next decision that we might make together. But certainly allowing the woman to be very involved and in control of the decisions that are made about her well-being. So, Marie, you've shared some very
1: personal experiences of your menopause. You mentioned a lot of symptoms. What have been the most challenging symptoms for you?
2: Some of the most challenging symptoms have been things like hair loss and hair going patchy in places. One of the things as a woman, you have your different things that, you know, you can be quite feminine about. Mine has been my hair. And also having your body a certain way. I've always been quite athletic and then seeing the changes in your body. When my hair first started thinning and going patchy, it just led to another level of just feeling it's not me you look in the mirror and you start worrying about things like that how's it going to look do I shave it all off do I leave it as it is then also having your sex drive affected as well and part of it is that you end up some women uh, like myself end up having a lower sex drive and some of it is about you not feeling feminine More. you're so sweaty you're um, not sleeping your hair's falling out and you know it, to anybody who does listen to this it's not necessarily that everybody's going to go through that I'm talking about for myself and it's like well why would anybody want to be with you in that sexual way when you are Just thinking, I'm a mess. I'm not me. I don't feel sexual. I don't feel womanly. It isn't so much about, for me, that you're you're coming to the end of your reproductive days. It was more about just thinking, I'm not desirable anymore. If I don't like what I see in the mirror, why would my husband really want to be with me? And I think being able to have that conversation with a GP to say, well, you know, depending on where you are in your journey to uh, touch on those things to say it's normal that you may have a lower sex drive it's normal that your um, hormones are are going a certain way so your hair may be thinning i'm not asking my gp to be a hair hair hairstylist professional but you know sort of like saying well reach out there might be other women like that and see what they've done i've got a fantastic hairdresser so she fixes me up quite nicely so nobody actually sees the patches in in my hair and I feel wonderful for it but sometimes I think your GP is the only person that you may be able to have these candid conversations with if you don't have a support network around you Uh, so it's really nice to have that one person where you could just lay it all out. And if the patient doesn't feel confident to actually broach the subject, if the GP just asks to say, well, you know, have you heard any of these? Then that might prompt more conversation.
1: Thanks, Marie. And I think these are really important things for us to hear, aren't they? Difficult though it can be for patients to raise it. H- have you got any tips about how you how we can make that easier during the consultation?
3: Again, such important information that Marie's just shared with us about the impact it had on her her physical appearance and confidence impacted on her psychological well-being. The sex is something that we are not great as GPs at talking about, uh, particularly to women of menopausal age, but it is such an important point because it impacts on the relationship. She may be embarrassed to talk to a partner about it. Uh, And many women not only will describe this psychological lack of uh, or reduced libido and reduced sexual feelings, but also uh, it's painful. The hormone changes will cause vaginal dryness, which in many women affects their urine function, but also their sexual function. And we don't ask about it. We are so wrapped up in the other conversations that we, we often miss that point and some women, actually, they don't want to take or they don't need uh, to take HRT in the the tablet or the patch form, but just giving them some topical estrogen or some advice about lubricants or, or just some support uh, about what's happening to them uh, will make such a difference. So I, I think my tip is just it's part of the conversation. And the more confident we are about talking to women about sexual issues at every age the more natural it becomes and it becomes part of a conversation rather than an add-on bit that's embarrassing for everybody. Thank you so much Marie
1: and Anne that's been a fascinating conversation to be part of. As a healthcare professional I think some of the key learning points I've taken away are the importance of active listening, the power of a phrase like tell me about you really sticks in my mind here remembering to undertake a holistic assessment and having the confidence to address sensitive topics like hair loss and sexual function. But perhaps most importantly, moving away from the tendency to be problem solvers, which is often related to the way that we've been trained, to working collaboratively with women to empower them to make their own decisions.
0: What an insightful and important conversation Pauline, thank you ever so much for being a guest host on today's episode and many thanks for your brilliant insights and a very special thank you to you Marie for kindly sharing your story and your experiences with us. Finally, a big thank you to our special partners for this episode, the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists Women's Voices Involvement Panel. Further details about their work can be found via the RCOG website. We truly hope this episode has been valuable to your learning and that you're now ready to apply for your Personalised Care Certificate of Learning or to log your CPD points. To do that, simply visit the PCI website at personalizedcareinstitute.org.uk. You'll be able to log into the e-learning portal to record your evaluation and to access many more learning courses and resources. We'd also love to hear from you on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook too. Our Twitter handle is at purse underscore care underscore inst and we'll be using the hashtag, hashtag personalised podcast. We'll be back in our next episode with some more inspiring guests and another exciting topic to help you to empower your patients to get more involved in decisions about their care. Thank you for listening and see you soon.